You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Scandal After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Scandal After Show. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, gladiators. Bing is for doing, and we are doing another After Buzz After Show for Scandal, Season 2, Episode 19, 752. I am your host, Sophia Stanley, joined by my fellow gladiators. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Cornelia. Hey, what's up? I'm Bam Erickson. And Emil could not join us today because he's under the weather, so please send him a tweet or a message and tell him to get ready immediately get better soon Emil please we miss you so 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 very much so this episode was called 752 and the Twitterverse and the blogs were all a chatter so we're gonna get right into this because it lived up to all of the theories and conspiracies more than I think we were ready for is that agreed yes Okay, we are going to just outline the show because Emil's not here. We're going to outline the show today and then we're just going to jump right in it. Um, The chat room has already said that I'm the referee, so I'm going to keep us in line. And if there is a flag on the play, I'm going to call it. Um, We're going to start off talking about the fallout of Olivia being in the hospital. Um, And then we are going to move on to our favorite Cyrus, um, Jeff Perry, who was in the studio last episode. And we'll move on to Melly and then we will delve into all things Huck, who wrote like took it to a completely different level so let's again start with our favorite uh gladiator miss olivia pope in the hospital and the scene opens with the doctor telling her that she's okay while at the same time gushing over the president of the united states of america did you think that was appropriate if it were no and i will say this from the outside looking in, you would be like, oh, that's inappropriate. But put yourself in that situation. If Barack Obama came into my <laughs> my hospital and was in my ward, I'd be like, dude, listen, I had a sticker. I was out here at the polls. Like, I would tell him everything yeah. that I wanted to tell him the entire time he was running. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you, got, you can't help it. It was not appropriate, but it is appropriate because it's one thing to see a celebrity that you may run into, that you may run into twice or three times, but it's what are the chances that you will run into the president of the president of the United States again? So I don't blame him. I'm going to throw a little bit of a different spin on it. I don't think it was appropriate or inappropriate, but possibly because he was so starstruck, he didn't even stop to think, why is the president of the United States of America in Olivia Pope's room mm-hmm. and no one else is there? Maybe he's so geeked. He won't, like Cyrus is eventually going to say, potentially spill the beans. 
That's a good thing because if he if he's coming in and checking on Olivia as much as he's supposed to, he's bound to see her to see him in her face close. Like he's he's bound to see this relationship unfold. I mean, it's good. He needs to stay starstruck because that's just another issue. It's just another issue. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a perfect segue because then we lead directly into this is the first real conversation that Olivia and Fitz have had technically, I think, since Closet Gate. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. Well, they had a little phone chatter. That's um, right. They had the phone. They had the phone conversation. But this is the first time. So now we basically have Liv, you know, awake from a concussion. She finds out that not only has she slept with Jake, but Jake has been in some senses either hired or commissioned to spy on her by her ex-boyfriend, the president of the United States of America. That scene was was powerful it was, it was a roller coaster yeah because she started off and he tried to come in and you know be regular smooth fits and she through the the course of the conversation she told him i don't forget she said i don't forgive you he said please forgive me she said no i don't forgive you i don't believe you anymore and when she said that you could see fits kind of he was a little he was hitting on hit on the nose it was kind of like he didn't believe or understand how they got to that point. It was like he was blindsided. But I think, I think the problem was he was blindsided because I think the problem with Fitz is he is on some levels a child. So when he decides to be hot, he's extremely hot. When he decides to be cold, he's extremely cold. And it's almost as if the two parts of his personality don't know each other. So simply because he's off, what do we call it, the brown water... He thinks, okay, I love Liv again. You know, she almost died, so I'm going to run to her bedside and everything's going to be okay. But you're completely forgetting about what's the time frame? About 10 months? Mm -hmm. A year that you have systematically been torturing her? Basically, you abandoned her. And not only abandoned her, but abandoned her after, in essence, you re-asked her to marry you. Because let's back up a second. Think about it. Right before the funeral with, um, with Verna... He basically was like, I'm going to leave Melly. We need to be together. So he may not have technically been able to marry her, but he was reaffirming their relationship and basically saying, we're going to be a full-fledged couple within the, the, the framework that we can, but Melly's no longer going to be an issue. And right when she basically is like, okay, and breaks up with Edison, then he's like, oh no, kick rocks, you're a whore and you're my mistress. The thing with Fitz is Fitz is so wrapped up in the fact that Olivia was a part of defiance. He feels that she's to blame for everything. And he's forgetting that in their kind of relationship, the things that you said to her, she's holding that in. And you can't. It's like it's like neither one of them understand why they're upset with each other. But I'm glad Olivia finally did say to Fitz. That me doing defiance went against everything that I stood for. This wasn't something that I usually do. I'm really glad she finally said that because Fitz was just trotting along the but, whole time. But again, remember, Fitz didn't give her the chance to say what she wanted to say. Well, it's I not about the chance. When you have to take your chance. So, okay, okay, you're right. I, I get what you're saying, but... Whenever Fitz would see her or talk to her, he would do these this little verbal assassination to her, her pride or her feelings, trying to get her back or pay her back for the pain that he felt. Yes, you're a little taken aback, but Liv has talked to him a, a few times where she was basically bullied by Fitz because of the way he felt. She could have gave her him a piece of her mind before, but I'm glad she finally did it. 
and it, you know she did it she did it very it was it was a good way that she did it she was like listen the i did this isn't what i do defiance i went against what i stand for because i believed in you and i'm glad he finally heard that but you know what's funny about this is that i agree with you that he bullied her but i also think that liv was taking the passive role because she wasn't taking ownership of what she did she was kind of like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This was the first time that I think she owned it and owned the effect that it had not only on Fitz, but on herself. And I think that's what we need Liv to do. Liv, I think, does a lot of hiding from herself. And at the end of the day, she was saying, I went against everything that I know, mm-hmm. and this is the effect. So presumably, again, and I've said this again and again and again, when Olivia doesn't trust her gut, things go wrong. So arguably... Fitz is like, I didn't want to win that way. She basically went against who she is and now ends up in a situation where she doesn't know right from wrong. And I'm just going to tie this in and we'll, we'll get into it in a little bit more detail. It ties into what Abby said about being punched again and again and again and saying that you're worthless and then no longer believing that you're right. I know it's a stretch and I know that gladiators may jump on me, but it's a very similar thing. The only difference is it's not Fitz beating up on Olivia. I think it's Olivia beating up on herself. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, something that was, I thought was uh, pretty powerful on Fitz's part when he says that, you know, I wanted to, you know, win this on my own and <clears throat> you don't fix me. Um, that's not love. That's control. Boy, that was, I mean, he, mm, that was like, he punched her like right here. Yeah, no, that it was it was good that he said that to her because it seems like she never looked at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Like that was the first time because who's going to tell her that? Right. Paris is not telling her. None of the gladiators are going to tell her this because they have such loyalty to her and they feel like she saved their lives. But for Fitz, it was kind of like something that Puddin' Pop would have said, that Edison would have said. I completely agree, Camelia. Mm-hmm. They were kind of the same dude. He said to Olivia before, he, you know, kind of like, Olivia, like, what are you doing? Like, she would try to fix Edison. She tried so basically, to basically, don't treat me like a yeah, client. Don't treat, treat me, me like, like your man or an individual, but not a client. And I, that was probably the first time she's heard that. I'm glad he, I'm glad he said that. Yeah, me too. I think that they both got out what they wanted to say to each other, but... It's just going to take time. I don't know. This this is a funny thing is I've actually been thinking about this during the time off that on some levels, and this is going to be a stretch, Olivia gets the best part of Fitz because she gets him without the rest of the world. Right. Think about it. She just gets his pure self. Right. So she gets the fits in love. And even when they're fighting, usually it doesn't involve anyone else or any other situation. Right. So they're just engrossed in the passion of the two of them. Right. Versus juxtapose him and Melly. Melly gets the worst part about of Fitz because she gets all the practical stuff. No, think about it, right? Because think even when you have a relationship, right? Olivia and Fitz are almost stuck in that newness. They're stuck in that honeymoon period, right? They're not actually living life, like kind of similar to the other woman, the, you know, fighting over dishes and so forth and so on. And yes, that's the, what relationships are made of and that makes them like stay in the test of time, but that's not necessarily fun, right? Yeah. I think this is the first time that they're starting to see more of each other, right? Because Fitz is realizing that this is actually what Olivia does. Olivia fixes everyone, including all of her associates. That's actually how she builds family, possibly with the exception of Hawk. We'll talk about that later, right? 
But he thought, no, we were different than this. No, it's all Olivia knows how to do is to fix things. And I've said this again and again and again. And it has to come out in the next three episodes because obviously she needs fixing. And she said that she alluded to that in the end when she said, I'm alone. We'll get to that again, Mm -hmm. like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think they're finally seeing each other, and I think that's even why they have that dialogue. Like you, you didn't see me, and she's like, "I do, I did, I do." I think for the first time, they're both seeing each other in the totality, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that means. Right. I think it's good because they were able to express really how they feel about each other. And I think that it was actually good that Olivia, when he said, you know, do you love me? Do you love me? And how I can't live and the whole that whole little spiel. She ran back to him. She said, you hurt me. She revealed herself back to him. But then she then she had to fall back. And so I thought that was that said a lot. She's saying, I love you, but I have to let you go right now. What I think right now but i have to let you go no that, for I, me you guys heard me like oh girl tell me to get out i was the <laughs> one and you guys every time i i go against the grain i always get bashed but i'm saying this i was the one who did not want that scene to end with them falling into each other's arms lovingly and you know affectionately like everything was okay reason being when people hurt you People, you treat people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. And I was coming, I, my perspective, I'm glad she did what she did because I didn't want her to act like everything was all forgiven because that's not really showing Fitz that he can lose her. Right. Because he really came in there like, I love you. I demand a second chance. Let's do this. Like it was like, and that's a, exactly like what it, he said. Yeah, like it was in game. And I'm glad she kind of was like, no, 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 not really. Because now Fitz got popped on the nose. And in one episode, he lost two women, technically. Because he thought he was going to stroll into that, that hospital yeah. and walk out with Olivia. Yeah. But he didn't. So I'm, I'm, I, was, I was pleased that it didn't end very I, fairy tale. I still, wish, I still wish they didn't kiss. But I think that was more so for the sake of. The, the show, The Gladiators, to give a little. But I think she should have, I think it would have been better had she shown him that I love you, but I'm going to fall back without all of the, the kissing. Oh, and see, this is where I actually disagree with you. Okay. I feel like this scene was so perfectly orchestrated because at the end of the day, it felt real. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she, yeah. first of all, she, she's, she's still in shock and trauma, so forth and so on. So in that situation, like, you're, you're raw. Like, all of your nerves are, and all of your emotions are in their rawest form. Of course she's going to kiss him. Because I think that's why the, the statement was so powerful. She was like, I do love you. But she's like, I can no longer do this. And then, obviously, they have a magnetic force that pulls them to each other in a way that is very passive. And I think for the first time, she was actively saying, I need to step away from this. And mm-hmm. again, I have to bring this up. It's similar, but more "quote unquote" loving to the to when Fit said, "I'm sorry if I can't help my erection." I was just gonna say that, right? Because basically, what he's saying is no. What he's really saying is this force I have no control over, so I'm just going with the flow. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of Fitz and Olivia, that's what they're doing. They're being pulled together, which is very different than actively deciding to move forward. The first phase of love is. Oh my God, I'm so into this person. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you just kind of fall into things. The second phase is actively wanting to be with that person and act towards it. I think for the first time, 
this is going to sound mean. I think she's being a grown up and she's thinking about love and she's thinking about what she wants. And she's basically saying, yes, the emotion is there. The emotion is valid. But where this is leading us, I no longer choose that. And hopefully what she's saying is she's choosing her own happiness and she's potentially deciding to fix herself. Well said, Dr. Sophia. So mm-hmm. we can't wait. Tweet, tweet, um, tweet everybody at phase three of love. <laughs> I can't. I love when we get along. <laughs> I can't. Watch, it's going to go like downhill yeah. in like two seconds. Okay, okay. And so then, so in the middle of um, Olitz, um, Olitz, we have Mr. Jake. So the president, you know, in the middle of their dialogue, leaves the, the hospital room and basically asks Jake what happened. And obviously he can't tell him. I wanted to... I want to know if Fitz is going to take it to the next level to find out on his own what really happened. And based on the preview, Cyrus seems like he's going to throw Olivia under the bus anyway. So Fitz is going to find out and he might be back to hating Olivia, whatever. You know, we'll get to that later. But Jake, I want to know what I, I want to know what he's going to what he's going to come up with. Because he keeps, Fitz asks him a couple times, like, what happened? Like, what's happening? And Jake keeps giving him this la da story. To, he has to come up with something. Well, I don't mean to jump the gun, but I'm going to, obviously. I think Cyrus is going to reveal to Fitz who Jake is. And Fitz may go crazy and try and kill that man. Not technically, but just the fact that, that someone is so close is with this woman. Or and and the it's his friend and yeah it, yeah no you're right you know bros you just kind of it's it's you know it's just something that you don't do like if that's if that's your your friend or your homeboy you don't go after their girl whether if they were together five years ago or ten years ago however long ago it is that's that's territory that you're not supposed to touch and so for the fact that he did that although he's unsure why he was. Uh, looking after her. And he never was told that him and Fitz had a It doesn't matter. I'm going to throw a wrench in it. I'm going to throw a wrench in it. He was there to do a job. So regardless of whether or not Olivia is Fitz's girl, he's not supposed to be cavorting with someone mm-hmm. he's, you know, spying on unless that specifically is part of the mission in order to get intel. Yeah. So either way, I definitely think that Cyrus is going to use it against him. And if Cyrus does, I think it's going to have more implications beyond simply the president. Because that potentially puts the entire mission in jeopardy, which we now realize is bigger than Olivia mm-hmm. and presumably bigger than the president. But we'll, we'll touch about him mm-hmm. a little bit later. And if mm-hmm. not, we'll definitely talk about it on Twitter. So then we have Harrison. So the associates find out that Olivia is in the hospital. Harrison, as the number one gladiator, goes to the hospital in order to find out what's going on and is immediately met by the Secret Service and are... Not so favorite Secret Service, Mr. Hal. Hal. Um, personally, I love when Harrison gets to be Harrison, and I'm going to go in a circle. Later on in the episode, he talks about the fact that all he does is talk. And I think he says it so lightly, it actually upset me. Because I think that the way in which he is and the way that he uses words is powerful. The fact that he cited the Secret Service Charter, I didn't even know there was a Secret Service Charter, and basically say to them that unless the president's life is in jeopardy by him coming onto the floor, they have no legal authority to stop him. They agree with him and still don't let him proceed. Yeah. And right at that moment, it kind of flagged Harrison. And he talked about this on the phone with Olivia. 
I came to the hospital and I saw the Secret Service there and she got quiet and she was like, oh, Harrison. Quiet as a church mouse. Harrison now knows what the deal is. Actually, see, and this is the funny thing is, she actually wasn't quiet and this is always the giveaway, Mm. right? She goes, Harrison. And he goes, it's none of my business. In a negotiation, when you say something, whoever speaks first loses. Like, so once you put an ultimatum or the deal on the table or anything, right? Even like, think about it where your parents go, so where were you last night? The minute you go, oh my God, well, mom, dad, da, 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 that, her Harrison was basically that. She was about to be like, Harrison, and he goes, I don't need to know. I meant that Olivia was quiet every, um, before that moment, there was a there was a yes, moment that, uh, that 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 Olivia had a silent moment, and that's for me felt like that was that she kind of gave it away mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole situation gave it away. Completely. I'm glad that Harrison caught on to it because now, well, Harrison is ride or die. I was gonna first <laughs> no, say no, no, that no, no, Harrison, say it, say it. Harrison now is gonna look at the situation a little differently with Olivia, and now everything that they've done for her, all of these cases, everything that's tied back to the White House, it now links her back to everything that they've been defending and so the question is to harrison are we are we really defending these cases are we really gladiators trying to fix people are we fixing you olivia is all of this work we've been doing clean up for you are we really doing work but harrison's a ride or die i I don't yeah he is i don't think he's gonna i don't think it's gonna go that far okay i don't think it's gonna go that far but there was a moment and i cannot i can't wait to watch it again where he, he almost smirked like, yo, I got that corner office. Like, that office is mine. No, seriously, mm-hmm. think about it. We've all been alluding on whether or not David potentially is going to get the office. We all know Abby is basically like, I'm still gunning for it, even though Abby yaps, yaps all the time. At that moment, think about it. The only other person <coughs> who had previously known in the office was Stephen, who's no, no longer there, right? Think about it, because we all know Stephen knew, right? And Huck. And Huck, as we're obviously going to talk about, is ride or die on a completely different level. That basically doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Now you have Harrison knowing. Can Olivia still com- combat and and buck up against Harrison in the same way now that he knows the one thing that completely can tear Olivia Pope apart? She's married to the job. She's she, basically a nun. I think, Sophia, I think, I think Olivia can buck up, but there's going to be moments when Harrison will just like with the um with the the guy who um who got married to the young chick when he was like Olivia I can oh, take yeah. care of this yeah. there'll be yeah. moments when Harrison he'll play he'll use his trump card accordingly whenever he mm-hmm. needs to he'll kind of give it to Olivia and she'll back off because she knows but I don't think it'll be a lot but Olivia she still will buck up or maybe Harrison could buck up and play that hand but the same way Olivia plays, well, she sinks back into this whole guilty victim thing around certain people when she feels guilty about the situation. Maybe she'll turn that, start to do that with Harrison. Like if there's a situation where, you know, she feels like she should pull rank on Harrison and kind of put him in this place, she might, you know, fall back into that defeated mode because she knows Harrison really knows the truth about what she's been doing. Mm-hmm. It could go either way. Well, once I I'll go on to my predictions. I don't think neither. I don't think either way. No, okay. No. Okay. Well, then the last thing, Harrison, because I'm actually not surprised, but I was definitely very anxious when he saw Charlie. We saw Charlie in the hospital room, and basically he was obviously on the phone with someone, and basically was like, "No secret services here. I can't get to her." Luckily, you know, uh, Queen mentioned the baseball cap. Harrison runs down the flight of the stairs to find Charlie. The elevator opens. It's just the flowers. 
do we think that that's somehow going to come into play again? Yes. Yes. Okay. And specifically that Charlie saw Harrison. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. There we go. Well, I'm not sure, though, because Charlie, everybody who knows Olivia knows who her team is. They know. So for Harrison to be at the hospital and Charlie see him and... If but Charlie now... There's no reason for... Harrison to chase Charlie. That's true. He did chase him. He chased I was going to say, if yeah. it were just him seeing him, no. that's normal because, you know, everybody, Harrison works with her. You yeah. know, they, you know, he's, everybody knows his position, but he did chase him down, which should tell uh, Charlie, they recognize me and they know that I'm doing something. He chased me. It might, it might switch it up for Harrison. Exactly. And, better watch and especially think about it. They're not, they know Charlie or they know, at least know Charlie from Spies Like Us. So they know Charlie enough to know that he's part of 316. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on, on Twitter, on iTunes, on YouTube, let us know what you think in terms of predictions on whether or not somehow the whole Harrison-Charlie connection is going to come back into play um, and, and whether or not they're going to wrap that up in the next three episodes. Tell us about iTunes. And then make sure you uh, go to iTunes and make sure you download, rate, leave, comment, and tell a friend. You guys have been so good with us, uh, keeping us number one, keeping us up in the top ten, even when we're not um, even doing recaps, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's weeks or as uh, Kanila says, four years. We've been all you know, years. We, when, when we're off for a couple of weeks, you guys still keep us in the top 10. And not only just here, um, not only for Scandal, but for all the other great shows that we have here. So just make sure that you guys go to iTunes, download, rate, comment, and then also... We have stepped our game up just a little bit. So now on your iPhones, iPads, and Androids, now you guys can watch us as well on your mobile devices. So make sure iTunes download, rate, comment, lead, tell a friend. That yeah. is all the housekeeping that we yeah. have. Yeah. So, okay, now we're going to jump right into Mr. Cyrus Bean. So we have Mr. Jake coming in all suave and smooth, that's me being facetious, with his coffee order for the president. And the president introduces uh, Jake to Cyrus, and he tells Cyrus two very specific things. The first of which is that Jake is the person who freed the hostages, number one. Number two, he's the one who saved Olivia. And Cyrus's reaction speaks volumes. The way Cyrus stood up and looked at him and shook the hand, it was it felt like to me Cyrus knew who he was and it was kinda okay. You know when you're on the when you're on the date with someone and you happen to run into your other uh someone that you dated a while ago, but you can't be like, Oh hey Cornelia, oh hey Sophia. It's like, oh hi, Cornelia, right? Yeah. Hi, Sophia, right? Mm-hmm. And you and you play dumb. Yeah. But he was sizing him up. This is Cyrus's competition. Oh, this is he said before, like he was trying to figure out who Fitz was was dating. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. he was like He's everybody's cheating. cheating on me. That's it, buddy. He's younger. He looks a lot better. He <laughs> has military service. He has military service. He is more in Fitz's like wheelhouse when it comes to just being cool and hanging out. Like he has this direct line straight to Fitz's heart and Cyrus, the president and his woman, right? And his woman, Jake, is the man who's kicking it with Cyrus's work girlfriend. He is knocking him out of the out of play on all levels. He that's what it was. And Kenya, let's not also forget that 
Olivia and Cyrus had a conversation briefly. I think it was on the phone where Olivia said, oh, uh, something, something Jake or something. And it was kind of like they threw the name out there. No, they didn't say the name. No, did they? Did they say the name? They didn't say the name. They they both said, you don't know him. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, you don't know him. However, I thought where you were going with it is when basically um, Cyrus mentions the whole situation where the president is cheating... Olivia says something basically to the effect of demolish him, right? Basically, Cyrus has now seen his competition and just like Cornelia says, mm-hmm. has assessed him like a viable opponent. He's going to have to bring his A game, which is Charlie. Because Charlie can do one of two things, which are both bad. Charlie can gather intel and Charlie can kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because think about it. Cyrus was going to kill his own husband. husband. Yeah. Okay? No, let's just be really clear. He was. he was going to kill his own husband. He will have no qualms with either killing Jake or, as we can see by the previews, or, sorry, spoiler alert real quick, potentially taking out Olivia if he has yeah, to. he doesn't care. He's over it. it. Yeah. And he made that clear on the phone call from last episode when he was in the <clears throat> hotel room and Olivia tried to tell him that Osborne wasn't the mole. He was like, listen, I'm just getting back in with Fitz. Don't call me with this mess. I don't have time for it. He didn't say it like that. But he was basically like, Olivia, don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I'm done with it. And he was kind of giving her the cold shoulder because she was, because you know, he was like, you're purposely trying to sabotage the White House. And she was like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm trying to help you. But and nope. he was kind of just like, whatever. But you know what? I just realized it. Since the beginning of this show, way back in season one, prior to Cyrus knowing about Olet, Cyrus's world was perfect. Think about it. He had this perfect president. He had he was able to, to pull little puppet strings and everything was great, right? Then all of a sudden you introduce Amanda Tanner. Amanda Tanner did what? Reintroduced Olivia. And from there, his entire world fell apart. From the minute he found out about Olivia, because he's now realizing every time Olivia and Fitz are kind of on the rocks, that affects his president, which in his mind affects his presidency because he thinks he's the de facto president. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you're saying is he basically was like, I'm not listening to you because at the end of the day, I can't trust you anymore. Because before, I was the right hand. I was his ear, or at least we were in it together. But now you have a more special connection. I can't have that. Everybody has a more special connection. Fitz is just, he's, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So then we go on to Melly and her ultimatum. Well, basically, in essence, again, we mentioned that Hal was at the hospital. Hal goes directly to Melly and basically play-by-play informs him her exactly where the president is and how much time he's been spending with Olivia. How's a little snitch, man. As soon as I saw him there, I was like, you know what? This dude is a little pillow talking. He just, I, I, I don't know, obviously, what it's like to be in that type of position where everything that the president does is pretty much dealing with you like you interact with everything (laughs) that he does but he is becoming the resident snitch are is he okay with this like you at some point you have to feel like your job is going to be in jeopardy 
by running your mouth, even though it hasn't been taken to that and they're not even playing that angle. But as someone who works security, the first person that when someone finds out information, the first person you 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 tap is the people who are around you all the time. Hal talk, talks to Melly like he that like he has no care about job security. He can get fired, dude. This is Fitz's fault. And this yeah. is Fitz's fault because if you know you're doing dirt, the two security guards are there the um Hal and the other guy, those Tom. are and, and Tom, those are they're 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 with you at all times. There needs to be some kind of conversation or some kind of look or some. Like, I just I think it's Fitz's fault tonight, and I, I kind of want to go back to the whole Bill Clinton thing. Like the security, they didn't tell anything, and I just feel like Fitz should be able to try and figure something out. If Melly is coming to him with all this information, how is she getting this information? And I don't think he's thinking because I don't think he would ever think. And I and I and the reason being is for two reasons. I think part of it's what Camelia is saying is that. They're not allowed. And I don't know this for a fact. So if anyone, you know, on Twitter wants to talk about this, I would love to because I like this kind of geeky stuff. I'm presuming they're under a confidentiality agreement. Right. Like, arguably, him talking to Melly could be, I was about to curse, could be treason. No, seriously. There's a difference between doing security, let's say, for a celebrity, right? Let's say you're the celebrity and let's say we're married and telling something to the to the wife versus you're doing security for the president of the United States of America. His wife, even though she has a first lady title, she's not the president. So there's information that the president is privy to and has to sign millions and millions of papers that she is not privy to. So telling her information could put the president in jeopardy, the country in jeopardy, and again, could be treasonous. So I don't think that Fitz would ever think he had to have a conversation because that's what Secret Service does. They're not just normal security they basically are protectors of the united states of america who shouldn't be blabbing to someone's wife about his whereabouts where his answer should be call his press secretary or no. call cyrus and even the fact that when the but the relationship between melly and hal when it first started there was no conversation it was what blink left mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. to you right and now he's just <laughs> yapping now he is pillow talk yeah. he's mr pillow talk now let's get into this whole thing with melly so mm-hmm. when she gets when she finds information that he's been <laughs> at the hospital with her <laughs> um, do it again <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> Fitz has been in the hospital, uh, you know, with Olivia all this time. And then when Fitz comes in, he's like, okay, what's going on? What's this? And then he's so, he's, he, he was Because so, I didn't yeah, know that you had yeah. a trip scheduled. Now that was chicken hand move because it's like, you've been gone all this time. You haven't called, said nothing to your wife and all this time. And then, oh, I didn't know you were going on a trip. No, fool. I'm leaving you. <laughs> She's leaving your ass. <laughs> Like, you should have saw that a mile away. You haven't called, you haven't said anything. But now put more on the serious side because now I'm about to bash Melly. Now, listen, Melly. Oh, no. You allowed this relationship. You allowed it. You said that he's a better president when he is with her. So, therefore, you cannot, now because things are not going your way, you've allowed this. And so because you allowed this, you have to own up to it. But then I can also jump on it and say, well, because she is uh, she's a victim, she has the right to change her mind. I'm not going to say that. I totally disagree with you. All right. We always Here we go. forget that mm-hmm. season one, episode seven, when she had the sit down with Olivia Pope, 
woman to woman, lawyer to lawyer, she laid down the rules of engagement, one of which is I have to take back my husband. She reasserted that by basically telling Fitz, okay, this is the deal. I'm now saving your president, which in essence, what she was doing was she fixed the situation and stepped into the shoes of Olivia Pope. Then fast forward to season two, she tells him again and again, she's having America's baby. She needs a seat at the table and the conditions of her having America's baby in order to basically save his second term is no more Olivia Pope. She even goes so far as to say, you see her again, I'll blow you away and you know I'm a great shot. But see, I'm going to I'm going to step it on the other side. Melly laid out the terms and, of, and conditions of the relationship. She she presented it to them in the situation as if it was a official business transaction. You can't do business with matters of the heart. So right there, when Melly was saying this is how it's going to go and this is what it is and I'm taking my husband back. Boom, 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 boom. She should have stopped right there. And of course, you don't do it when you're in the heat of the moment and thought this isn't just this isn't a business transaction. These are two people and this these are matters of the heart. So guess what? You can say that this is how it should go, but it's just like when a husband is che- a regular husband, a regular Joe is cheating on his wife. And the wife finds out and she's like, "Listen, you better not talk to Latasha again. <laughs> if you talk to Latasha, I'm taking the two kids and I'm going to my sister's house. But that's what she said. She did say that, but (laughs) she didn't stop to think maybe he really loved it. Maybe he really (laughs) loved Latasha. So me putting this, this ultimatum on him is not that simple because guess what? When you're dealing with matters of the heart, you can put every ultimatum you want down, but it's not going to play out how you want to. It's which, not. But which is why, and maybe she knows that, which is why she has now, she's, she's, she's got out the biggest guns and now I, she's willing to, and now her. she's willing to expose. I just think that when you allow something like this to happen in the first place, what else, what do you expect? I, no, no, I totally get it. No, Cause this point, I totally get it. But this is, and the I, problem. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think she, from Millie's perspective, she needs to play that hand and she needs to give him I don't the, think she I'm need, gone, I'm I don't, leaving you. I don't think she needs to play that hand because then will she look like, how, how, how do you think that America would view her? No, but this is the problem is, and this is the thing is, it's even like every, what she's basically doing is she is thinking like Olivia Pope and Associates. She's thinking about spin, right? So again, what do they always say? Control the narrative. So think about it. In 10 months ago... Fitz basically was like, I'm going to divorce you, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So they would have gotten divorced and she would have looked like some who knows. Now, basically, she's thinking, okay, he's back with Olivia because she she knew that there was a time period that they weren't talking, right? Because remember, she thought they were back together again, but then she realized it was really Jake. She was cool with that. Okay, whatever, right? Now she thinks that they're potentially back together. Her initial thought is two things. Either they're back together and that could mean he's going to divorce me. If they're going to get divorced, she needs to control the narrative. And the best way to control the narrative is by basically saying, not only is he cheating on me, but look what I've done for him as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, so forth and so on. But now I'm leaving him. So she's not playing that same old card where I'm going to stay with him. She's basically asserting herself, no, I'm a strong woman who has done the best that I can do. However, my husband is cheating on me and she's going to control the narrative and potentially use that martyrdom Right, because what do they say? Never, never, um, never miss an uh, never miss an opportunity out of a crisis or something like that. You always basically that's how you spin things. Mm-hmm. And I guess 
I guess she's she has the balls enough to think that she can actually get away with this by actually having the press conference, which we obviously see that it's in the midst of happen- happening. Um, and so you have to kind of wonder how far will they go to stop her and who's going to be the ringleader to stop her from revealing this information because this is not is this is this is not an easy task. She may think this is easy, but this is not easy. It's not easy task for her to have cameras and she's going to have this press conference. Where's Fitz? Where's Cyrus? Where, where are all the people? And she's already revealed to him that she are basically I'll 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 blast your ass in front of national TV. So Fitz knows this. So what is Fitz going to do? Okay, you know what? I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a question out there, and for me, it's a matter of. Other than how it would affect Olivia, shouldn't Fitz let the truth come out if, in fact, he truly wants to be a president on his own merits? And basically, this is what he's done. This is who he is. He should technically, if he wants to be of the people, we the people, then he should let them truly see who he is. Minus the how it will affect Olivia. But just that, should he, like, not call her bluff, but should he let the information out? No. Go ahead, Camille. He could, but it's a gamble. It's going to be a gamble because basically put the baby in here. There's a baby. Things change and situations change when when a child is involved. Mm -hmm. If they would have never, if Melly wouldn't have been pregnant while she's going to say this affair was happening. I think people would be more receptive to forgiving him. They'd be like, okay, you cheat on your wife. Oh, you're so dirty. But after a while, America forgets. People forget. Okay. And people, you know, they let things go and then they'll, they'll jump back on the bandwagon slowly but surely. But as soon as you throw a baby into the situation, that's going to be the roadblock. Because it's not just you cheating on your wife. It's you cheating on your pregnant wife. And... You didn't like you and potentially lied to America and lied to America because it depends how far it's going to come out. Let us know. Let us know what you think in terms of we want to hear your predictions on the fallout of Olivia Fitz and Melly and whether or not she's really going to pull the trigger or whether or not Olivia is going to spin it. Cyrus is going to spin it or Fitz is going to spin it. And then you have Harrison. He knows, too. Harris, Harris, Harrison's a gladiator. I'm going to stick with that. He's, he's not going to let it out to anyone outside. He may use it against Olivia. Anyways, we'll talk about he's that He's going to help try to cover it up. I yeah. mean, that, oh. that he will help Olivia. Yeah, he Perfect. will help her yeah. cover good, that great up. Great point, Bam. Yeah. Very, very good point. Very good point. All right. Well, let's go to Huck. Um, and I'll be honest. I'm going to say this just before Bam sells me out. Um, yes, I, I wasn't cried. wasn't going to say a word. He was going to say a word. He had to hand me like three napkins. We had to press pause because I was bawling at several points um, regarding Huck. But let's just start at the beginning. And the beginning is Huck homeless. It's a flashback. And we see presumably the first time that Olivia and Huck meet. And basically, she's waiting for the train. He gives her information about when the train is going to come. The information ends up being correct. And basically, almost as a thank you, she bends down in order to give him money. And there's obviously some kind of a connection. And they start to talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was five years ago. It was flashback to five years ago. And she said, are you going to be here tomorrow? Coffee's on me. And then you could see in both of their eyes that was there. Like, there was a, a, it was a connection. And for Huck, it seemed like the first time someone talked to him. Because, you know, really, who talks to a homeless, who talks to the homeless guy on the train? When you're on the train at that time in the morning or whatever time it was, mm-hmm. you're trying to get on that train. You're trying to get to work. You know, you're trying to do what you have to do. 
Huck needed that interaction and it was Olivia. So I think he immediately gained connection to her because of that. Because, I mean, like I said, who, who's nobody was to- really talking to him. But then it also makes me wonder in season one when they were doing the um, when they were going through the campaign. He was homeless on the streets again when Olivia came to him. So you, I kind of now wonder, is there going to be more backstory? Because how long had he been in this whole transition? Well, five year, the, the subway scene was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And when was the campaign? Three, three, years, years, ago. three years, years ago. So two years from the time she met him, mm-hmm. he was homeless for two years until she gave him the keys to her apartment. Yeah. And told him to clean himself up. And then when she started uh, Pope and Associates, it had to be about two years. Yeah. Well, I just mean, it just, it just, it, it seems, it, there seems that there's more to I it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Between that two years of like how, how they then got to know each other enough to get to that point. To right. where you give the keys to your, yeah. Right. That's a very good point. And, and for me, and, and we find out, and I think that Bam is really right. We're going to have to find out more of the, the backstory, but I remember when they had that connection and the way that she was at the train and she obviously seemed very affected by Huck. All I kept thinking is, why is there a connection? Like, there's one thing to basically look at a homeless person and potentially think that could be be you, that could be someone you know. But it was, and she then goes on to say it was the sadness in his eyes and that his eyes were sadder than hers. And all that made me think was, well, why is Olivia Pope so sad? Because here we have a woman who arguably is one of the most powerful people in the world, if not the United States of America. She is flawless in every single way, but the one place that she is continually vulnerable and theoretically flawed is on an emotional level. And again, we've talked about her eyes. There is a sadness, a perpetual, a continual sadness about her. Sometimes the most famous, the most successful people are lonely. It's lonely at the top because they don't have anyone. And like Billy D. Williams said in one of those movies, success is nothing if you have nothing to, uh, if you have no one to share with. Lady Sing the Blues. Yeah. So Olivia, she she has everything, but she does she doesn't have the one thing that she wants, and that's love. And back that out five years, that was five years ago was when, wasn't that when her Edison broke off mm-hmm. the first engagement? Yeah. yeah, because it was, it was before, it was before Fitz. Yeah. So yeah. It, that, that was probably around the same time. She probably felt like lost everything. We can go and on and on And also too, and then we'll move on. And, and technically I'm going to go one step further. She was even lost with Edison because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. why they had a Chinese wall relationship because yeah. they were never connected. And that's why she may have all these people around her, but she still feels alone. Mm-hmm. So the flashback scenes for Huck were some of the most dramatic and traumatic that we've ever seen. We get introduced to two main facts. The first of which is that Huck had a family, but we'll start at the beginning. We'll start there before we go into, or we'll interweave that with basically how he got recruited to be part of uh, B316. I hope I'm saying it correctly. So, you know, the the scene opens up and um, we see a teacher um, reading, it seemed like, to kindergartners. Huck walks in in his Marine Corps fatigues. A, I love Marines, team Marines all the way. Um, and, you know, obviously he's telling the little kids to be quiet. When she sees him, she's overjoyed. It immediately goes um, to her bedroom, and she basically is like, I missed you. I love the way that you smell. Like, you smell like my guy. Like, there's obviously a real deep connection there. 
and immediately he tells her that he has a meeting, that that's the reason that he's been called back from tour because he took a bunch of tests. Um, and then we fast forward to an office and he's in an office being interviewed by a nondescript gentleman and behind him is Charlie sucking on a lollipop while he's being interviewed. I like how they started that because it showed how alive Huck was. You you really see how people interact when they're in front of little kids. And Huck was like making faces and he was doing trying to play this big character. It was a totally different person than the person that we've, you know, seen this entire uh, show. And to see that, that's what broke my heart. It was to see how easygoing and fun he was and how free and alive and now he's he's Huck. That that destroyed me. And then to see Charlie there from the beginning, this made me hate Charlie to the core. Again, I get Charlie, when you're doing a job, sometimes you do the job and you take the job to heart and the job becomes you. But Charlie seemed to enjoy turning Huck into this animal. Misery loves company. And Charlie is basically the person who wanted that company. Charlie did cut Huck some slack when he was supposed to shoot him and let him go. But I don't like how Charlie has been there from the beginning. That's too much power for someone to have over you because he knows everything about Huck. He saw Huck from the beginning. He is one of the only people. He is the only person still in Huck's life that knows who Huck was before this. And that's very powerful. And it was very interesting Doing all the flashbacks, it was never revealed. Uh, the name was never revealed. Um, That's right, his real name. His real name was never revealed. There was never, there was never. Okay, Sophia, now you're or Cornelia. Okay, so That's a great point, you're um, you're in the office. Um, um, you're. You're part of B three sixteen. Yeah, is it B six one three? Oh, maybe you're yeah. right. But <laughs> when, he, when he offered him the position, normally when you're being offered something, you know, okay, Miss Cornelia, you know, the position is blah 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 blah. There was never any, there was any, there was never any uh, introduction of the name at all. And his his girlfriend, baby mama, however you want to call and then it, wife. His, the, okay, let's uh, keep it oh, I'm, sorry, I'm, so, I'm sorry because they did get married exactly. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry but it was revealed <laughs> it was revealed finally when she was giving labor by the nurse that her name was Kim and it probably was smart to not mention Huck's name because to them B316 it didn't matter Yeah, it does not matter what your name is you are now a part of this group you don't care about who you are as an individual they didn't even want him to have a family so you know they don't care about his name they don't care. Mm-hmm. Let's back up. Camelia, you brought up an excellent point in terms of the fact of the way that people react around children is often a very true representation of who they are. For me, what killed me is not only how alive he was and energetic, it's almost it was so juxtaposed to how he looked. Mm-hmm. He was pale and had bags underneath his eyes in a way that I can't even imagine what type of torture being in Kosovo was. So for me, when he's at the table and basically they slide a figure, they basically offer him the job, they slide a figure, he's obviously able to very quickly assess it's more money than they would ever offer someone of his grade in the Marine Corps. 
and then they basically offer him the job. Think about it. Once he does an an analytical assessment, basically breaks down Charlie, basically says Charlie has a gun, therefore, you know, says where the cameras are, he turns the position down. Why? Because he loves his girl. And he loves what that means. But then they quickly say, okay, cool, we're going to send you back to Kosovo. And 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 the, the severity of it was... What, do he, wasn't he going to have to do, like, serve two different kind of terms or something? Tours. To, yeah, tours. Yeah. So, therefore, he felt that... He it was, was trapped. It, he was trapped, so it was better to take the job and keep his relationship and his kid on the low. And 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 to me, again, just like you said, Cornelia, it's the first time that we saw him alive, but also to see how much, how Charlie trained him and almost, you know, at first how nervous he is and with each kill, how he got more precise and how much he enjoyed it. We saw the first time he took somebody's watch. We we. I have to be honest. I didn't see. Oh, okay. <laughs> this was me the whole entire time. I hate blood and gush and stuff like that. So I didn't watch it. Okay, call me a scaredy cat. So what? Who cares? But I didn't really. I couldn't watch it. But did he enjoy it? Because at one point he broke down and cried. But, but he, that's only yeah, Glenn, but that's only yeah. after he found out that she was pregnant. pregnant but before right. then, before he then, was enjoying it. Even his interaction with Charlie, when Charlie was like, "Come on, wasn't that great?" Whatever, yeah. he's like, "It's okay." It's Charlie was like, "Dude, what? No, this is amazing." There and, was and and Chuck did that. I mean, sorry, Huck did a little like. Yeah, it's there, amazing. There was one moment after he got good news from his wife that he was oh, like, you know. Yes, when, when she said he was. So basically, you know, his wife says, you know, I'm late. Basically, obviously, I'm pregnant. And he goes, oh, you know, she basically was like, I'm going to have this baby regardless. So if you're going to leave, leave now. And basically, we and in this whole whole dialogue with her, as well as um, in the interview, we find out that Huck was abandoned when he was three. He's been in foster care and that Kim Obviously, her dad wasn't around. He assures her that he wants the baby and that he's not going to leave her. And then, just like you said, it then switches over to the torture scene. And he is telling the person that he is torturing that he just got great news. So, basically, he's elated. And as he has, I don't know if they're called hedge clippers or clippers of some sort. And then comments on the guy's manicure Mm -hmm. before he cuts off his finger. There's two things that I want to reference when Huck was preparing to get away, I thought his getaway was sloppy, and oh. I th- and I thought that Kim. I agree. When, when your man or when the when your partner is saying, "Let's go, let's get out of here," that shouldn't be a time where you want answers right this moment. If you love and you trust your partner, especially when you know he's affiliated with military, this man comes into your house that you never know. If your man or your partner says, baby, let's go, get the hell out of here. I agree with you 99.9%. I agree with you, and I'm even going to take it to Mission Impossible when Tom Cruise says his wife, like, you're going to have to trust me, I can't tell you everything, but, like, you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z, and she's like, cool. No, do you know what I'm trying to say? Because there's, but this is the difference. There's a way that you talk to your wife to make sure that she knows you're serious. The problem is there was no angst in Huck. Huck needed to raise his voice. Huck needed to do something that was showing her a different side so that she understood the severity. He was just talking to her. Like, he was doing it a little bit too, like, pulling guns. That's why she was like, wait, you're pulling guns from the piano. He needed to look at her and basically be like, Like, at least, like, this is a life or death situation. Like, he needed to really communicate with her 
number one. Number two, you don't leave her, dude. Like, there's no reason for that. Put her in the car, grab the kid. Like, literally, it's like, I go, like, right now. Like, you decide right now in this moment if you're coming with me. If you're not coming with me, I'm sorry, but I can't guarantee your safety, so I got to take my kid. See, That's I what thought, he should have done. I thought when he was when he was leaving, I thought he was going to leave her. I oh. I thought looked at it from the sense of he's like I, I can't tell you just trust me go upstairs and get a backpack I'm going to the bank I'll be back when he said that I was like oh he's never gonna come back because I took it back to when she said if you're going to leave me leave me now like I took it as them not going together him leaving mm. her Keneally I took it as as he was going to the bank to get the money Charlie was waiting yep. outside mm-hmm. in the back wings and he was going to kill Me he too. was going to kill the family I, th- Me too. I yeah I thought he was going to try to run away from all of and them and I thought yeah. like bam and also the house looked similar to the house that <gasps> when he stands outside when he was oh, outside his the family. house yeah he was that's the same I, I think it's the same house that that family wait time out at, I'm gonna jump ahead. Did the, his did his son did his son say something right before he gave him the money? Like I want a dog. He did say he wanted a dog, right? And his family had a dog. Oh. Now all the pieces are starting to come together. Yeah. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit too. This is like too much for me. Yeah. So that was the same house. And I then think. oh my goodness, and and for me, and this is gonna sound like a weird comment, even though seeing Huck waterboarded was hard for me, this was ten times harder. The minute they threw him in the hole, because I think that prior to the prior to them throwing in the hole and when he was torturing um, his his victims or his assignments, I turned to Camille and I said, oh, is 752 the number of people that he's killed? Mm -hmm. Right. Then all of a sudden, immediately we see him thrown into a hole by his B, whatever they are. I'm just going to call them the B group. And he's thrown into a hole, and they repeatedly ask him if he's married and if he has a family. And I think, Camelia, then you said that you thought that 752 stood yeah, for... for the number of days he was in the hole. So then that's when I was like, oh, this is deeper. Isolation changes can change anybody. But isol- isolation... Because you refuse to go along with something... Is a totally different ball game. Like it's one thing to get thrown in the hole and you you do, for, because you did something wrong and you paying the price and you're like I'm ready to get out of this hole. Let me say what I gotta say. He refused to say that he did not have a family and stayed in there to that point. He did not give up on his family to the very end. It was at least two months that he was in there. But what's also interesting is three weeks ago he was locked into a smaller cave. When uh, Charlie threw him into uh, when they were at the storage. And I think that what I said to Sophia, I said that was a breaking point. Yeah, I said it probably wasn't what Charlie did to him. It was because he was back in that 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 whole type Uh of situation by the same person. It wasn't, you know, it was the same situation, the same person. It was a replay of the same thing that Charlie did to him years ago. Yeah. And and I'm just going to run the math real quick. It's way more than two months. Just by the physical nature, think about it. Huck went in the hole, crew cut, clean shaven. Yeah. For him to literally, he when he initially came out of the hole, he looked very much like the homeless man he ended up to be. That to me, amount of hair, yeah. I think, even though, and I and I could be wrong because I do agree with you that they said something about the two months, mm-hmm. but I still think that he went past that. And the reason being is, even when they offered him the job, right, and he said, and he, he was thinking about it. Do you, do you notice how he looked at Charlie? 
and how Charlie put his hand on it on his gun. To me, and we've seen this again and again and again, whatever his test scores were, were completely off the charts. Meaning even for Charlie. Huck arguably is the best of the best of the best. Meaning he can't be broken. He consciously had to make a choice in that hole and reprogram himself. So, yeah. Because for him to fast forward to say... I don't remember if I, he goes, I think I have a family, but I can't remember. I don't know if I made it up. Like, he doesn't know if it's real. That means in that whole, think about it. That's why he has a whole conversation with the people, his his assignments. What type of person are you? Some people grit and they bear it. Does it make sense until the last minute? Some people scream from the, from the beginning. He obviously is one of those grit and bear it type of people. We've seen it in every aspect of who Huck is, but it's deeper than that. He actually had to reprogram himself and it broke him psychologically. And that's why he ended up homeless on the street and couldn't do it again. He couldn't do it. He couldn't interact with people. This, this, we basically watched the death of Huck. We watched him alive and we, he, we watched him slowly die. Well, I think we seen the death of, the death of whoever Huck's real name is. Mm-hmm. Which, Mm-hmm. will be revealed at some point because I don't think this story is over with Huck. But what was what was even more depressing is watching him at the Associates sitting in the corner, 752. At first, they couldn't even hear him. 752, 752. Well, so be, and, I, and no, and it was great because, you know, Quinn, again, at, has been stepping up again and again because at first they actually didn't seem that concerned. Does it make sense? Like, they were a little bit more concerned about Olivia. And she's like, no, 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 I think Quinn goes, I think we should leave him there. His back's up against the wall and and his feet are on the ground. And I think it's because he's trained her well enough that she understands from a security perspective what that means for him. Because basically, it means he can see everyone coming from every angle because he knows he's not in his right frame of mind, but he still knows no one else can protect him. Mm And I liked when he the conversations. Well, some of the conversations. The first one was with, with Quinn, Quinn when she was telling him how she thought her life was going to be, and she envisioned her wedding, the bridesmaid dresses, and that you know Hollis took took her life from her, and she was saying whatever the situation that you're going through, don't let it ruin you and don't let it destroy you. I like that she had that conversation with her because to me, when she was talking, I was to, I immediately thought. Hollis took Quinn's life. Charlie took Huck's life. Mm-hmm. They have more in common I mean, yeah. than anybody really in there. When Olivia said, me and you are the same, I think Quinn is is a little bit along that line, too, but, with with Huck as far as having lost something. Because we don't know what Olivia has lost and what's taken to this mm-hmm. point. Quinn lost her life. She lost her whole life. Huck lost his whole life, too. And her name. And yeah. her name. They are they are a pair. What's interesting is there was a pattern with Huck. Huck would stop counting when, when, when I think it was, I wrote it down somewhere, when it has something to do with, like, love or something. There I was, agree. There was, it was love? Yeah, so anytime any of the associates was telling their stories, their background, and, and it was referencing love, yes, because this is what, um, when Abby talked about her and David and how once once he um but it's but i'm gonna piggyback off of you and i apologize i'm cutting you off on purpose it wasn't just love it's when they started to connect with him yes so when they were just talking about love it was kind of like he's still 752 it's when basically they were like 
no, but I need you. And this is why I need you. Or I'm trying to connect with you. Because again, I think that's what Huck is always trying to do. He just doesn't know how. So I think for that split second, he's kind of like, I want to. But no, because in order to connect, someone has to actually see you. And he doesn't think that Harrison, Quinn, Abby are... And I can't remember the line that Olivia says, but they're not grimy enough. And I mean that as a compliment to really see him and connect with him. But for that split second, he thinks about it because technically that's his then his old family. That's what they really are. And then he realizes he can't go back. He can't go home again in the same way, basically, that he told Quinn that life is over. That's when he pauses and I think he goes back into his diatribe. And that's, again, and we'll talk about this, you know, in sequence, but that's why Olivia is, is able to get to him because Olivia connects with him from a place of pain, not actually from a place of happiness love. Even though I think love has two sides, she comes from the opposite side of it. But yeah, and then, I mean, then we have well, Abby. all of them could technically, all of them are, all of them are at Olivia Pope and Associates from a place of pain. Mm-hmm. They Great all point. lost something. Yeah. Great they point. all could have connected. Because if you notice, nobody touched Huck until Olivia came and touched Huck. I know it's probably because they, you know, when, you, when you're not sure somebody in their standoffish, you just don't touch people who look like they don't want to be touched. But nobody took it to the next level of interaction with, with him. Um, Quinn had a very heartfelt conversation with him. Abby's conversation took the took the route of when she was talking. The I think I wrote it down. I said Abby secretly hates Olivia. Completely, she secretly. But you want to know why she she resents her completely? That's a great word, and that's really what it is. And people always resent you sometimes who save you because it means that you're in a position above them in order to save them. She threw Olivia some shade. I can't remember the comment. But no, but she she completely did. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Bam. I apologize. Keep no, going. I just, I can't remember what she said, but she threw Olivia some shade. And I well, she says she, she basically, she used the line, that's how she gets you. Yeah. And she basically was like, oh, 752, is that the number of things you've done for her? And she doesn't even use her name. That's disrespectful. 752 things that you've done for her and didn't ask why. Right? Mm-hmm. And then she basically goes on and she basically, you know, goes on about how, but how she loved David and basically, but she chose to be a gladiator. But then the way that she says, she goes, but Olivia loves us too. How, what she does is she saves us. Basically, in essence, what she was saying is by saving us, she owns us or she, or we owe her. I'm going to do a mm-hmm. wordplay. And basically, that's how she gets us. So I, she basically saying, I can't even imagine the things you've done for her because you owe her. Because she knows what she had to do for Olivia. Well, I will say this as far as the associates are concerned. They all obviously opened up to Huck in in this time of, of need. They opened up. They all revealed information to him that was never revealed before. And so hopefully there will maybe be a little more... Um, better interaction and or just I think more, it's going to be the opposite you think that's opposite? so funny because I think that what happened is do you oh, do, go, no go ahead uh, mm-hmm. do you also think that Huck was listening yeah Huck was listening to him yeah go ahead yeah he was listening Come but on. Huck is t- he's, he's, he's trained himself to block emotion out he has gotten to where he is and is able to do the job that he's done because he stopped feeling yeah mm-hmm. so I think he heard them but he's going to act like he didn't yeah and I think that each one was so telling to their personality, but also telling to their respect level, because this is the difference is they were all respectful, but from a different way. 
basically Kun was saying, I need you, you saved me, right? Abby was saying, I respect you because I know what I've had to do, so you must have done more. So hers was somewhat from a place of selfishness. Mm -hmm. Harrison was from a place of respect. I, I thought the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And Harrison was a, from a place of respect. Like, Harrison was basically saying, I know I walk around here like I'm the man and I have it all together, but basically I take off my hat to you because you're the only warrior. You're the only real gladiator in here. Like, technically and theoretically, he didn't even bring up Olivia when he actually said that. No. And I'm going to be a little bit sneaky or not sneaky but throw a wrench in there and basically say is it because now he knows more about Olivia than he did before I don't think I don't think so I think it was coming from a place of you know when you have that moment and you really you really look at the situation and you really analyze yourself <laughs> and he he just came back from the hospital he didn't get the, he talked he tried to talk down secret service he got bopped on the nose with that I think it was from a place of really looking at Huck and seeing and having to look at himself and just and saying what it was. I don't think I don't think it was what happened with Olivia. All right. Well, perfect. And then Olivia walks in. Olivia is released from the hospital. Olivia walks in and she immediately goes into the room. She shuts the door. She very slowly assesses the situation. She takes her coat off. She sits down directly in front of Hawk. She starts talking to him. Just like you said, she touches him and she basically, go ahead, Ben. She says, I'm all alone except for you, Abby Quinn, Harrison. They don't live on the dark side like you and I or me and you. Yeah, the dark side of the moon. Yeah. And she basically reaffirms that everyone thinks basically that she saved him. And he basically, and she basically said to him, you think that I saved you. You saved me. I'm all alone. You're all that I have. And I think that what she was doing is... Huck, by his very nature, is a protector. She's now putting the responsibility of her life in his hands. I think that's something that Huck needs. Mm-hmm. Huck needs to care for something because that that means he's responsible enough. He's capable enough. And I think that, ironically, it shows that she really sees him. She doesn't care what terrible things he's done because she's also saying, I've also done terrible things. So whatever coping mechanism you need to go through, I understand it and I see it and I respect it. Yeah. And it was giving him something to live for. Because if if she wouldn't have said that, Huck, when you feel alone, you know what I mean? Huck lost everything. He lost his whole life. He technically doesn't have any motivation to keep on going. So she, like you said, she threw it into his hands and kind of put her life on him, which now mm-hmm. gives him a task. Very and, well Huck, you know, you have to you have to de- de- delegate Huck tasks, like tell him what to do. And I think that was a good way for her to give him something to do. But it involved that real life connection and that love that Huck needs. Mm-hmm. It's a family. Yeah, which is a perfect segue to the the closing scene. We see the Metro and basically we see his wife and his son. And obviously the son has had a connection with him as a homeless man. And he says, you know, that Huck looks hungry and he goes over and he gives him money. And as they're walking away, it pans up and it basically shows the time is 7.52 and that the corner or the column that Huck is at, has been at, presumably for at least anywhere from three to two years, 
is basically every morning he watches his family, his real family. I can't even do it. Now I feel like I'm, I'm going to cry. So 7.52 is the time that he watches his family every day when he was homeless to try in some semblance of a way to cope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's real sad. 7.52. Shonda, you took it to a completely different level. I don't even know what these next three episodes are going to bring. We'll maybe touch upon it in predictions, but if not, we will definitely talk about it on Twitter, YouTube, and on iTunes. Now to our favorite part of the show, news and gossip. We have a lot of news and gossip today. TV news. All right, guys. So first, we want to talk about the Gladiator meetup in New York. We uh, got information from Outlaw Josie um, online that the annual nationwide scandal uh, Gladiator meetup is Memorial Day weekend at in New York City at the Millennium Hilton Hotel, May 24th through 27th. You can count. You can contact Outlaw Joes on Twitter. Here's our information on the screen for you guys listening. It's at Outlaw Joe's J O Z, or you can go to the website www.outlawjoesscandal.wordpress.com or email her outlawjoesscandal at gmail.com. And we'll put this on Twitter, guys. So if you follow us on Twitter, we'll post it. We'll put it on Facebook, Instagram. You know, we'll let you make sure you guys know. Feel free to reach out to us if you need the information and we'll link you directly to uh, to Joe's. But it sounds like an amazing time, guys. So if you're in New York City in the area, Jersey, Philly, Connecticut, Rhode Island, you know, make sure you go fly from L.A. over there, too, if you got a little extra money. Also, she made us these amazing gladiator bracelets. Can you see on the screen, guys? If you can see on the screen, they're up there. If not, for you, those of you listening, you know how you have those. Uh, it's kind of like the Live Strong bands, but it says Gladiator ABC Scandal on them, and they are so cute. So thank you so much, Joes, for giving us the bracelets. We love you. Um, we're going to rock them every day. Also, oh, um, Gladiator Moni got a shout out uh, directly from Katie Lowe's this week because she is one of the obsessed gladiators her and a, a bunch of other gladiators got a shout out she got a special video for Katie I tweeted out it's on my Twitter it was so cute Katie was like oh this is for Outlaw Joes you're obsessed and she did like a whole thank you thank you to her it was it was really awesome so congrats to her everybody uh, send her a tweet hit her up and just say congratulations and check out the video too I'm sure she'll uh, it's probably on her Twitter feed uh, right now Let's get to our favorite portion of the show, which is shout outs, guys. So like usual, we like to shout out everybody who's been supporting us uh, throughout this whole entire process on iTunes, Twitter and YouTube. If we forget anybody, just let us know where we'll shout you out next time. Um, and as always, we really appreciate you. And we do this for you just to show how much you guys are a part of the show. We couldn't do this without you. You guys keep us at the top, you know this whole season so we'll start with our tunes Karuch, uh, Karachu 27 Dean Filmmaker Aaron McChef Miss Vicky Lynn Purple Girl 48 Scandal 61 Sky 1027 Stommy Blue for Twitter we have Jazz Guy 19 Coco La 721 Eve NYC 03 Felicia Abney JW Amble 25 Kimberl 17711667 Malika Diva Melly Langey Miss JM12 So underscore live Spicy Pink 1 Takata Felix T7979 YouTube We have one True Bell 246AMB Annette Whitehead AP Don 81 Certainly 
It is CM Lee 3143. Enjoy it 08. Exquisite kinky coils. Coils. Exquisite kinky coils. Huh? <laughs> Gershwin 196. Heavy metal lovers. Henry Higgins. G. G- Hain 21 from 2001. Key Hopkins. Kiera Loveless. KY02121, Larie Cooper, Lauren James, Leslie McKenzie, Mind Control 31, Miss Chatty, Miss Martha, Nia, L- L- Nia LCC Page, Samuel 1616, Prezina Moraes, Rama C. Fan Forever, Sharina Middleton, SHS Club Man, Sun Valley, Suzanne Clem- Susanna Clements, Ty Cunningham, Tickled Lady, TLHJSJH, True Glitter Dust, W. Williams, Wendy Benta, Whoop De Whoop, and <laughs> Yaya HYFR. So again, thank you guys so much. Uh, keep watching us. In case you uh, want to go back and look at some of the older episodes, I know the season is winding down. Feel free to download the old podcast, recap with your friends, share them with your friends. Let you know, let everybody you know tell your mom, tell your godmom, tell everybody about us, and keep supporting us. <coughs> Perfect, perfect, perfect. And a special shout out again to Jeff Perry, who was in the AfterBuzz studio for uh, Molly, You in Danger Girl. It was a great, great after show and a great interview with uh, Mr. Jeff Perry, who plays Cyrus Bean. So very quickly, let's do predictions. What do we predict for either the remaining three and or the next episode? Short and sweet. My my prediction is very, it's kind of out there. I've been kind of noticing in press um, when the scandal cast has been out, like when they had the rap party and some other uh, things when they got the award, I noticed that there was one cast member that was not there. And so it made me wonder, hmm, what's going on? And then today's and tonight's episode, I see uh, I see Harrison's character is now on Charlie's radar. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but I think Harrison is going to get killed off for season two. Season you know, three. You know season what? Three. I, I, I can see that. I can see that. He, I mean, he wasn't there for the rap party. He wasn't photographed in the rap party. And he wasn't there when they got the TV uh, Guide Award. And now... Unless he, he's working on a movie. Let's hope he's working no, no, on no, a movie. No, no, no. He's working on a movie. I don't know that. I'm just saying that. Oh, bam. No. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, I thought that. Okay. And then when I saw that he and Charlie now have a connection, Charlie knows what he looks like. So now it confirmed my... My crazy thoughts of, hmm, where has Columbus Shore been? Now Charlie's under the radar, and Charlie will shoot you in broad daylight. That's true. Camelia? My prediction isn't more, it's more of a, a putting two and two together or clarifying for myself. At first, I was thinking that the mole had more to do with Cyrus, but it doesn't. I'm more now fixated on the fact that Charlie is working with the mole and Cyrus at the same time. And they're targeting the same people without each other knowing Mm -hmm. Charlie. Cold piece of the week. Of course. Charlie is cold piece for life. He is the cold piece of the season. Charlie is responsible for the demise of a man's entire being. He gets the cold piece award. He's the MVP, but I don't know. I want to see how Charlie walks this line between playing with with two different with two different things, because Charlie is the the black guy's boss, the guy who was over the B. Joe Morton. Yep. He's his. He works for him and he's working for Cyrus. This is going to get interesting. I don't have a prediction. I, I just I don't know. I'm so confused. I think they're both great predictions and mine isn't really a prediction per se. But on some levels, love equals truth. 
And I think that's going to come into play specifically with the triangle that is Fitz, Melly, and Olivia. It is going to show whether or not he's going to be truthful with anyone, but more importantly, America. Good point. All right. This was a great after show for Scandal Season 2, Episode 19, 752. Where can everyone find you? You can find me at Big Six Entertainment. You can find me at Cornelia across the board, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at Sophia Stanley. Thank you so much, Gladiators. And we will be right here next week, same time, same place, with Mr. Emil joining us. Thank you. Bye, Gladiators. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.